Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning, Freedom Church. My name's Shaky, and I'll be reading out of 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out our truth. But if we walk in the light as he is, in, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. That's the word of the Lord. Awesome. Shaky, thank you so much. Kicking us off with a bang. I'm, I'm keeping the coffee cup here close as a commercial that the coffee is great. I'm a big coffee guy, and I love it. And let me tell you guys, good morning, Freedom Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys ready to hear God's word? You know, I absolutely love that we've been studying the book of 1 John. It's been so revealing to hear directly from one of the closest people to Jesus. And and so I believe that today he's going to talk to us about our walk. And, and, And for those of you who have maybe lost their pep in their step, maybe you are misaligned Or maybe you're believing the lies of the time that we're living in today. John is going to realign us. Now, you might be wondering, why is there a man standing next to you? And why did he tie up your legs? Well, he's very important to illustrate something this morning. But I want to introduce you to him. This is Ray Ortiz. Give it up for Ray. So, So Ray and I go way back. We've been in this walk for a long, long time. I think we met when we were like 11 or something like that. It's been a while. I won't. You don't have to do the math. But he's one of our elders. He was the drummer this morning, and he's one of my best friends. So one of the things I just want to share with you is, you know, there's times when you are trying to, to move forward in life. You're trying to, to take a step, but it, it just doesn't feel right. You're, you're trying to continue to go to church but it doesn't feel like it used to. You're, you're trying to move forward, but, but you know, your, your kids aren't responding to the parenting things that you've been reading in books. It's just not, it's not adding up. You're, you're trying to race you know, the, the corporate ladder, and you're trying to go, 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 but you keep getting turned down over and over and over. You keep going to your checkbook, and you say, it just uh, my, my accounts aren't lining up the way that I expected You know, at this age, I thought I'd be retired. There's all these other things. There's all these thoughts that go into the walk that we have in Christ. And sometimes we wonder, why is it that I'm trying to move, but it never feels right? Well, I would just tell you guys that sometimes we just need to slow down. We need to slow down our own personal walk. And we need to look to Jesus and say, wait a minute. I'm, I'm connected to you, Jesus. So if I'm going to take a step, I'm not going to take a step unless we're doing it together. So then you take one step 
and you do it with Jesus. And you take another step, and you do it with Jesus. And then you do it over and over and over, and next thing you know, we, we got a pep in our step, don't we? Hey, let me tell you, by the end of this sermon, he's going to be walking with me pretty good. I'm just kidding. Give it up for Ray. Give it up for Ray. But let me tell you that that illustration is exactly what I want to walk away with today. I don't want to take one more step in my life if it's not connected to Jesus. And that's, and that's the challenge that you and I face. And that's what John's going to remind us of today. You may have been on this walk for a long time. You may have just started this walk. Or maybe you're just feeling it out. And you're saying, wait a minute, what is this walk you're talking about, Joel? I don't understand it. But today I pray that we align our walk to Jesus. Because in Him, let me tell you, the journey is incredible. Let's pray that God opens up our hearts. God, thank you so much that you've given us this opportunity to learn from one of your closest disciples, John. A man that walks so much with you, God, and I just pray that we can align our walk, that we can align our hearts, our thoughts, our decisions, everything we do on you. God, I just pray that you reveal the areas of my life that I need to give up. God, the the areas of my life that I need to give to you so that I can walk freely how you've called me to walk. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So John's going to get really practical today, and so am I. And so... The illustration we're going to be focusing on today, and the picture I want you to think of, is this theme about walking. Now, you may have caught that word walk a few times while Shaky was reading, but in those times, you've got to just imagine, they didn't have vehicles. They didn't have planes, trains, or automobiles, right? They walked, right? That was their main form of getting around. So when you start thinking about it, how many miles would, would John have walked alongside of Jesus. Now, there's an approximation from Bible scholars that do their best to align about how many miles Jesus would have walked during his ministry years, right? It's hard to tell for his whole life, but for his ministry years, they estimate that he would have walked 3,125 miles. So just to give you a picture of what that looks like, that's like walking from Tampa, Florida, all the way to Seattle, Washington, We're talking spanning the entire U.S. and a little bit more. So you could just imagine what those moments would have looked like with John and Jesus. Walking those treacherous walks, those long journeys. You can imagine how many times they may have gotten into trouble. Maybe an animal popped out. And John's looking at Jesus saying, hey, I know you're the Messiah, but can you take care of that wild animal? Right? You could just imagine the wisdom and the stories and when they would stop and spend time with one another, what they would have talked about. He literally was spending all these intimate moments with the God of the universe on earth, walking. Now when you see that word walk in this version, it's also described, you can substitute the word walk with conduct, right? How you conduct yourself, how you act as a Christ follower, what your life looks like. That is the walk that we're talking about today. So those, that, that is, those are some of the things I want you to be thinking about as we're taking this journey with Jesus and John. So let's start 
in John, First uh, John, chapter one, verse five through six, and it says this: "This is the message we have heard from him, declares, heard from him, and declared to you: God is light, in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie." And do not live out the truth. I love how John does, he does this all the time through 1 John, 2 John, through John, the book. You you just see that there is, over and over, he establishes a truth right at the beginning. And so he tells us right at the beginning, not what Jesus is like, or not a characteristic about him, but he says that he is light. That he is light. That means that it is impossible for him to be in the dark. It's impossible for him to sin, to do wrong, to have some of those thoughts that you and I have. Right? So when we think about that word um, light, we're talking about pure, pureness. We're talking about truth. Right? We're talking about without any sin or darkness. And that's the light that shines so bright that it shines the world. And so if God is light... And if we're connected to Jesus, then we can't be walking in the darkness. So the first thing that we learn is that we must walk in the light. Right? So that's a quick, easy way to know if you're veering off. We have to walk in the light. I don't know about you guys, but I have three boys, three, six, and nine. And to make it very practical and easy, one of the things I established early, early, early in our oldest's life was kind of a family motto. Me and my wife talked about it. We prayed about it. We understood what is it that we want to pray and declare over our kids every single day. And at first, you know, we had a list of seven things. Then we had a list of ten things. Then we're like, that's too much, hard to memorize, hard to teach the kids. Then five, four. Eventually we said, you know what, there's this one thing that we want to pray over our family. And we've been doing it every single day since we made that decision. And the prayer is very simple. That we, the Vargas family... Be a shining light to the world. That's it. That we be a shining light to the world. And wouldn't you say that that is right in line with what Jesus wants us to do? Right? If we're connected to Jesus, then that's the reminder. And guess what? I said, man, I got I to gotta give them this motto because I got to make sure that they stay in the light. Because I'm their dad. I got to make sure they walk right. I need to make sure, keep them on track, all that good stuff. Little do I know that every day when I tell them that, sometimes it hurts a little. And I tell them, let's pray that we be a shining light to the world. And I think in my, in my heart, I haven't been a shining light to your mom today. I haven't been a shining light at work today. Maybe I misstepped a few times. So that daily reminder of saying that as a motto of my family, I thought this whole time, I got to get it right for them. This whole time I realized this is God speaking to me, saying, Joel. Stay in the light. Every single step that you take, stay in the light. And how many of you guys know we, we, we live in a dark, troubled world? And this is nothing new. I know that uh, as I've gotten older, as my kids get older, I start to freak out a little bit. And then I realize, wait a minute, this is what my parents did when, when, uh, when this thing called MTV was on TV, right? Th- this is not new under the sun, right? So much of the troubles that we're seeing, it, it, even in, in, in Jesus' time when he talks to the Jews, he knows that they too are struggling with believing the lies of the time. 
It was a dark world then. It's still a dark world, and there's still sin and darkness, and it's lurking around every corner. It's just a matter of do we walk in it or do we not? And I love Mark chapter 14, verse 38 says, Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And let me tell you, this is a prayer I declare, God, just, you know, I know I'm going to be tempted. I know I'm going to go through struggles, but God, keep me in the light. I travel a lot for work. I have a, an expense budget where I can spend money on things. And many times you get, an idea, you get ideas to do things that you shouldn't. I'm away from my family. But guess what? Because I'm in the light, I stay in the light. I call my wife as soon as I get to the hotel. I tell her, babe, I made it. I'm safe. I'm good. We've created guardrails to make sure that we could stay in the light. It's that little bit of veering off into the darkness that can get you in trouble. And if you watch the news, there's so many pastors and great leaders that have fallen. Why? Because they just veered a little bit into the darkness. We have to stay in the light. Have you ever wondered why movie theaters are so dark? I, I was wondering this, and I remember as when I was a, a kid, I was like, man, they're always so dark. And I remember... You know, maybe it's the ambience they're trying to set up, right? They want to dim the lights, create an atmosphere to watch a movie. Just like when you go home, you turn off the lights, right? Maybe, to watch a movie if it's a movie night. Well, you know, maybe the picture is brighter. I don't know. I think there's another reason. I think it's to hide the dirt. And let me tell you something. I could just imagine. I now have three young boys... And as much as I try to keep that popcorn in that bucket, it starts to slip out of that bucket. Gets all over. Then it gets trampled on by all these dirty little feet. And then all of a sudden, candy starts falling. All of a sudden, someone starts sneezing. It gets all over. How many of us became germaphobes over COVID? I wasn't. Now I am. I'm like, what is wrong with me? But let me tell you, then you start thinking about that soda that starts spilling into carpet and then it gets sticky and moldy and old you know you, you, you feel it on you know when you're walking through the theater so I said I can't be the only one that thinks this okay I'm not I'm maybe I became a germaphobe but I've been thinking this for a long time so I decided to take matters into my own hands and did a little bit of research and I found that there's doctors that have already done the research for me you see, this group of doctors went to a high-end movie theater. They went to an average movie theater. And they went to a budget movie theater. And they looked at a few specific areas. So this group of doctors checked the seats, the floors, the wonderful armrests that you put your arms on. And they did a little bit of investigation and of all things that they found, there's one thing that was consistent. Fecal matter. Oh, I am so sorry to do that to you guys. Some of the kids are like, what is fecal matter? I'll just say it, it's poop. All right? That's what's in the movie theaters. And you know, the, 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 the worst part about this is I was sharing this with my wife because I was so excited about the, what I had just found. 
And she said, babe, I was going to go to the movie theater while you were finishing up your sermon on Saturday. And they did, and I'll tell you, I think they were all sitting very <laughs> carefully the whole time. But let me tell you, when those lights come on, after all of you have walked out, there's a cleaning crew that has to come in, and they see all of the dirt. And they see every corner of where the dirt is. And they can spot every spill, every popcorn, everything can be seen. Because in the light, we can now see the, the dirt, the darkness, the sin, and the despair. So sometimes when we walk in the light, it feels uncomfortable. Because all of a sudden, we can see the dirt. And you've been trying to hide it. You've been trying to leave it in the corner. But guys, we got to be in the light. And when you do, those things will be revealed. But when they're revealed, you're going to learn they can be forgiven. But let's continue reading through today's passage because there's an important piece here that I don't want us to miss. And that is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, and He is light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. What a hope we have in Jesus. But notice that through that conversation, He says, he says the word, but if we walk in the light. He didn't say, what if, but if you walk in the light, or what if I walk in the light. He said, but if we all walk in the light, in the light. And then through that, you realize that he's got that key word that I captured, that I, I just spent time just thinking about, and it was the word fellowship. One of the beauty beauties of this walk is it was never intended for you to walk alone. You were never intended to do this walk all by yourself. You see, this walk was intended to be in community. We are to walk with community. So the fact that you're sitting here and we are con in, a, in, a, in, a, in one church, worshiping together as one church, and we get to journey through life together as a community, that is how we continue to walk this race out. It's impossible for you to do it together. Because when, I mean to do it alone. Because when you're together, you'll call each other out when there's a problem. You'll say, hey, I've seen you slip into the darkness Let's, you know, here's some truth that I know about your life. I've seen you when you used to work with the kids. I saw you when you did all these great things. I saw you when you used to worship. Walk in the light. And one of the greatest lies of our times is this notion of individualism. Individualism has been glorified and taken completely out of context. Yes, you and I are individuals, yes. Yes, you are unique. Yes, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But you were intended to be in community and not alone. Because when you start to see the ideologies that are brewing up in our society today, I'm not going to go into details there, but there's so many ideologies that are brewing up in our society, and it's all circled around glorifying the individual and not being connected to the bigger body of Jesus. Because here, you are important, but you're only important in the church. You're important as a body of the church, right? And so the individualism thought starts to take over. 
And at first, it might sound innocent. Hey, I really like my own time. I like doing these things, right? I have a few hobbies. That's fine. No worries. But it starts to become where that your individual self becomes more important than those around you and the community that you live in. And when you get self-centered, all of a sudden, you start seeing a lot of these, and, and, I, and I know I've done this before, but you say and you tell the community around you, sorry, I don't get out much because I am an introvert. Right? You'll hear that as an excuse. And hey, God made introverts and they're great and they do phenomenal things. And I'm saying they because I'm definitely not one. But I'll tell you, God can redeem and use an introverted person for his glory in, in, in a mighty way. But the enemy wants you alone. The enemy wants to pull you away from the light and just leave you in your little corner right over here. The enemy wants to keep you in a place where you don't have the power that is in community. Because by yourself, you can self-destruct. But in community, there is power in community. There is freedom that's found in community. That's where we as a light together will shine brightly as one group. And just imagine how much we, we shine, right, as, as one group. Many years ago, I used to commute on my bike to work. wasn't that far away. I used to go in the mornings and in the afternoons. Why are you guys looking at me like that? I still like riding my bike. I need to do it more often, yes. But I used to commute all of the time. And it was great. I, I, I lived up Gaddis School Road, and I'd come all the way to Dell, and I would do my commute, and then I'd, I'd go back. And I would do that by myself. And it was, it was a good exercise. It felt good. But I remember one day, I was going back home. So it's after 5 o'clock. It's a little bit of traffic. And here I am heading back home. And I'm kind of flying down as I usually do. It, it was a road bike, and I, I do have a little bit of a need for speed. Um, I traded the road bike for a motorcycle. So I do like to go fast. And this day, I was going down Gattisville Road past the, where the Randalls is at. There's a nice little downhill where I used to pick up a lot of speed. And then I would fly up the hill afterwards, right, towards the high school. And I lived over by that area. And so I'm coming down, and I'm by myself, picking up speed, feeling good. The wind's in my face. Life is good. There was three uh, young young men, really, because they were teenagers that were, that were in high school, were heading out of school. And they were on that sidewalk coming the other way. And so I yelled out, hey, coming through. I have a pretty loud voice, so I thought it carried out pretty good. And uh, two of them veered off. Boom, great. And the third one seemed like he was veering off, but all of a sudden he veered back right at the last minute. So I was like, oh boy, I put my shoulder down, and I flew over, and I landed on the road. Now, at this point, I learned later on how fast I was going. Because on the Strava app, it has your, your speed times. And I saw it go from this big peak to an immediate valley. <laughs> 34.9 miles per hour, zero. So I fly off the bike, catch myself somehow, grab the bike, 
put it back on the road, on the sidewalk. The kids are freaking out. I'm like, I'm fine, guys. Pay attention next time. Um, and then I just hop on my bike, and I ride home. And when I get home, I have a little bit of blood, and, you know. But I, I, I was like, wait a minute. I could have just died. Like, this was bad. This is a bad accident. And I just walked off like nothing. And then I realized, you know, if I would have been in a pack of bicyclists, they, we would have flown right through because they would have seen a pack of bicyclists. As I was an individual, it was much harder for them to see me. But little do I realize that I wasn't alone that day. You know why? Because right next to me was a Ford F-150 that was riding down and must have been seeing everything that was going down from a distance. Man, this guy's going fast on that bike. Man, there's some kids down there. And this guy that I've never met ever in my life slowed that truck down just enough because he knew it was coming. And when I stopped and I was on the road, the first thing I do is look back, thinking that a car is going to, and there was that F-150 stopped with a, tr with a truckload of uh, cars backed up that he was stopping while I was able to get my bike, stand up, and keep riding. So let me tell you, I, I thought I was by myself. But let me tell you, Jesus knew every bit of what was happening. And that F-150 was on my team, I'll tell you. Because God sent that F-150 perfectly timed to hold back all that traffic to make sure that I'd be here to, to speak to you guys today. And I'll tell you, there is power in community. There are times where you think you're alone, but because you're in community, someone will reach out and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. I think about Don the other day reaches out to me, puts his arm around me, and he says, Joel, I don't know what it was, but I, I was praying for you on Wednesday. I don't know what it was. And I said, thank the Lord. Whatever you prayed for, nothing happened. So maybe he prevented something, right? And so God will put these Christ followers in your life, and, and they will come in a moment where you least expect it, but could be here to save your life. There is power in community. Now you might be saying, you know, Joel, this walk is hard though. It's so hard for me to just stay aligned. Like even you and Ray when you were walking, it wasn't that easy. I agree. I agree. It is hard. But John covers us here and this is where it really starts to come home. Let's continue reading here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8-10. through 10. If you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to have not sinned, and we, then we make Him out to be a liar and His word isn't in us. So He says, John says, hey, I walked with Jesus. I was right next to Him and I messed up. Because guess what? We are all sinners. Along that road, there will be bumps. Benito shared it this morning. We know that there will be bumps and there will be trials and there will be parts that we will struggle. 
Romans chapter 3.23 is one of those verses that you should have memorized because it reminds us we're all in this together. For all, that is every person in this sanctuary and every human being that there has been except Jesus, for all have, fallen, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if anyone feels that they're so holy, like some of the Pharisees and some people that you might know, John calls them out and says they're liars, right? Because they will sin and they will fall and they will struggle. But the beauty and the way that we can stay aligned in this walk when we veer one way and veer the other is in verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive. Guys, that is huge of us Forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is our hope, Freedom Church. Isn't that exciting that even though you might veer off, even though you may have fallen into darkness for that moment, Jesus says, I'm over here and you can come back any time. And so if we want to walk this walk, and if we want this to be our lifelong journey, then we better get used to confessing our sins and walking in his forgiveness. That's the only way we're going to stay the course. So if you've walked your life hiding those sins and not bringing those out and talking about them, it's going to be really hard for you to really keep that walk going. And, and, and so John is reminding us that if we're going to walk this walk, we have to confess our sins regularly. We have to walk in his forgiveness. You know, I think back to my days when I was playing video games, and the young kids are going to be like, oh, you reference Mario, dude? Come on. Sorry, that's my generation. And so if you remember in Mario, you would play and you had a certain amount of lives. Lives gave you the opportunity to do over, right? And so, so his, his forgiveness and, and us confessing is like having unlimited lives because his grace is unending and his forgiveness is there for all of us to walk in. And if you were a sneaky kid like me, you found the cheat code to get unlimited lives. Anybody? Fellow cheat coder. Hey, you used to get, you used to look at the magazine or someone would find it or at someone at school would tell it to you and you would write it down on a piece of paper, the, 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 the combinations of numbers. Sorry, kids, that's how we used to hack things back in our days. I mean, that's, that's how we did it. But today is a very important Sunday in us, as, in our walk with Jesus. You see, because today is Palm Sunday. When we think about that 3,125-mile journey, this would have been the last few miles, right? This would have been the last bit, right? We're about to walk in to his final steps that he walked with John. But let me tell you that on Palm Sunday, this was, a this was a different day because Jesus came walking in like a king. And he, was, he had just come off the highest, one of the highest points in his ministry where he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And there's crowds of people and everyone's like, he's the king. He's the king of the Jews. He's the one that we've been waiting on. And so Palm Sunday represents this triumphant entry of Jesus coming in 
to Jerusalem. And he comes in on a donkey. You might say, why on a donkey? It was simply a prophecy fulfilled in Zechariah chapter 9-9 where it says that the the king that would come to rescue them would come on a donkey. So it was a, a prophetic moment and a completion and showing the Jews of what he was doing. So, so in that moment, as he's walking, as he's coming in on that donkey, he's being celebrated. And there are crowds of people, and they're waving all these palm branches like they do to a king. And they're saying, welcome in, our king is here. They're laying down the, their palm branches, and their donkeys, the donkey's coming in with Jesus on it, and he's coming in like a king. And they're yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. But none of those people chanting would know what was really ahead in the next few miles of that last 3,125 miles. You see, because the same people that were chanting Hosanna would later chant, crucify him. The same people. They would then say, crucify him. They wouldn't know that every sin that they had already committed and that would be committed was taken up by Jesus on that cross, on that walk. That every sin that you and I would have committed, everything that we've already done and the sins that we will commit have already been taken on that walk. On that final walk. You see... Our personal walk will continue to lead us down sin, down through darkness and to destruction and to our ultimate death. That is what our walk leads us to. And even if you're at a high, I know many people in corporate America that drive amazing cars, that have beautiful homes, beautiful families, and they might feel like they're at a point where they don't need Jesus. And let me tell you, their lives are leading them straight to an eternal death without Jesus. That is the walk that we are on track to unless we decide to take on the, what the, to, to receive the walk that Jesus walked for us that we couldn't walk for ourselves. That is the gospel. So when you think about those final steps, now known as the Via Dolorosa, these last 2,000 feet of Jesus now he knows what is to happen. He's, he's walking out his complete, fulfilled, what he needs to do for our sins. We see a vivid scene that I think is easy to forget about. But really, really is one of the culminating steps in the walk with John and Jesus as friends. And that's in John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Wow. What an impactful moment and interaction between Jesus, his mom on earth, and his best friend on earth. And he says in this moment, this is my mother on earth. John, I'm going to give her 
to you, right? I, you, she can be your mother. She was my mother on earth, but she can be your mother from here on out. Take care of her. Guard her. Be with her. There was other women there. There was other people there. He could have gone to anybody. He could have even said, hey, by the way, I'm about to like conquer death. I'm about to give you the best life that you could ever give, and my spirit will be with you. Don't worry, Mom. I got this covered. No. On earth with his friend John, he says, take her. And there's this exchange between Jesus, his mom, and John. And all I can think about as I finish thinking about John and his walk and his relationship on this last bit, what type of relationship did they have? And you see, a lot of times we can look at these steps in how we have to keep our walk with Jesus, and they can look very static. They can look very religious. Confessing our sins can feel very religious. Walking this walk and doing the daily chores and walking can start to feel like a chore. But let me tell you, that interaction with John and Jesus was not one that was mechanical, that was religious, that was ritualistic at all. That was one that was centered around relationship. Do you know that in order for someone to call, for you to call someone an acquaintance, typically you would have spent around 40 to 60 hours with them? If you call someone a friend, there's research that says that you would have spent 80 to 100 hours with them. But for you to call someone a best friend like this, you would have spent over 200 hours with them. And with the amount of walking that these guys did, they probably did that in their first month. But think of the intimacy of that relationship. And now we start thinking about some of those things that we learned throughout about walking in the light. You see, Jesus isn't saying, hey, here are the laws, here's the darkness, stay away from here, stay over there and done. No, he sees, I see you in the darkness, and I wish you were here with me in the light. Because that's the relationship that we must have with our Creator. You see, when you think about when you're out in isolation and you're alone and you're in this walk alone, and you say, wait a minute, I wish I was just with my friends, living the life that I know I need to live in church with other, you know, like-minded believers. And when you think about that forgiveness that we have that can only be given in Christ, it's not a, hey, I did this for you, so now come and do this. No, he did it with love. He took every one of your sins to that cross, and he did it with love. And he's looking at you, and he's seeing your walk not aligned with him, and he's saying, man, I thought we were, like, we were close. What happened? And so that's what I want to remind you today, is as we look at, we're cl- as we close this morning, I want you to think about a few things. Because there's different, we're all in a different stage of our walks here. Like I said at the beginning, you might be at the beginning phase of that walk. You may have just turned your life over to Christ recently. You may have been doing this for your entire life since you were a kid. But maybe you lost your pep in your step. I don't know. I don't know where you're at today. But today I feel and I pray and my big, the big idea that I have for today is that we stop the direction that we're walking in and that we could just be connected to Jesus. That's it. And for us to do that, we need to walk in this daily. And we're here for one another. 
And so I just want to pray for those for two things. If you've, not, if you've never met Jesus and you don't know who he is and you don't know about this walk, but you know that today God shared with you and said, hey, I need to do a 180. What I'm doing right now is not working. I'm ready to do, I'm ready to try what it is to live a life with Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand and I would pray with you. And again, I, as soon as you say yes, you have all these hundreds of people ready to walk alongside with you. You're not alone. We are ready to walk this walk out until we are all in front of Jesus worshiping. Just like that picture that we saw this morning as we were worshiping with our worship team. All right, so if we're all believers here, there's a lot that we are challenged by. So if you have been, maybe your walk has started to get a little stale. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and it doesn't feel like it used to. Maybe you're trying to un know what, what's, what's my purpose in this bigger church, in this community that I'm in. And maybe if you just need to strengthen that walk. You keep bumping. You keep just, it feels like you're in a stride, but then it doesn't feel like you're in a stride, right? If that's you, I would ask that you raise your hands and that we, low, that we, uh, that we all bow our heads as you raise your hands and we'll pray together. God, you see every single hand that's raised and you see my hand raised, God. And in this moment, I just pray that God's word and everything that you've spoken to us today live deeply in our hearts, God. That we could be reminded on a daily basis, on a daily basis that we need to be aligned to you, Jesus. That every step that we take not be taken without you ordering it, God. And God, I just pray that we can have a relationship like John had with you on earth. God, the, the intimacy of that relationship was incredible, God. And I just pray that I can know you the way that John knew you, God. God, that you would entrust so much into us on earth as your ambassadors within your kingdom, God. I just pray for every single person that's in here that feels like they're not part of a community, God. I just pray that, that you challenge this church, that we can all come together, surround ourselves to feel like that community that is on fire, that is powerful, that can do mighty things for you. God, I pray that we walk in that forgiveness that you have given us, God, that the gospel become real in our lives. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Guys, next week is Easter. Get ready, invite your friends, and we'll see you here. God bless.